Welcome back to another episode of the Warfighter Roundtable with Foundation 14. This is Josh Waringa. I'm going to be one of your hosts today with Maria Caruso. Before we get started, just a friendly reminder, we're not here to uh, diagnose or cure any mental health disorders, symptoms of PTSD. We're really just here to share the thoughts and opinions of those of us who have served, spouses have served, our personal experiences and hopes that we can help other people along with their journey. With that said, some of the things we might say as individuals are not necessarily representative of that of the foundation, but rather that of the people that we bring in, and we hope that you all find some benefit uh, from our conversations. So, Maria, we got two new faces in the studio today. You want to go ahead and introduce them for us? Sure. Um, we have Matt and Brandy Thorpe, who uh, joined the foundation about a year ago as a uh, new recipients so from our program. So Matt was uh, presented a motorcycle at Jackson County Fair. We had gone on stage just before Hank Williams Jr., along with yourself, by the way, there, Josh yeah, That was pretty shady. She told me I was giving away a bike, and so I just sat there quietly like, who is Matt? I don't never met him. I can't say anything. I don't know who anybody is. There's bikes everywhere, and I just sat there quietly. <laughs> yeah. Just like, tell me where to stand and when to say things. Uh, welcome to my world. I was <laughs> on stage with nobody that I knew in front of 10,000 people. Right? Yeah, and that was a crazy, crazy event. Very cool opportunity. Um, but we were given very strict instructions, uh, very tight timeline. We had 10 minutes which anybody that's been to a foundation bike presentation, it never goes 10 minutes, let alone sticks to the timeline. But we did it. We did it. And, um, you know, we can have fun. We can joke around. And, you know, I, I sit here and I listen to Josh do the, the intro and talk about opinions being expressed. We have lots of opinions in the room. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of it all, it's for a single purpose, right? And what started the foundation was what we had seen um, when introduced to a young man who just wanted to ride. And then when we saw him actually on the bike riding, we were kind of like, this is almost too simple. Like, why isn't this like a thing? And there were some companies out there that were doing something kind of sort of similar. And if several since then that have popped up, some of them doing exactly what we're doing, um, which is great. It's fantastic. Um, sometimes people shoot us stuff all the time, like, Hey, there's this organization that's doing exactly what we do, you know, and they have, they're concerned. And I'm like, that's freaking fantastic. There's less than, or I should say not less than, but just under what, 600,000 veterans in the state of Michigan alone. Yeah. We are not going right. to be able to give away 600,000 motorcycles. <laughs> right. right. So if someone else wants to step up to the plate and do that, I'll help them, yeah. you know? Um, no because, turf wars. Yeah, there, there isn't room Some for that. Some people have turf wars, which there's too much work to be done to be fighting over turf. Yeah, yeah, you know, and um, and it's uh, it's amazing when you see that transformation in someone. It happens almost immediately. You know, Matt, you had been riding before Foundation came along, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually got my motorcycle endorsement six months after my driver's license, and then I was on and off bikes from 16 on. Yeah. And um, you actually had a bike very similar to the one that you were given. Almost identical. Yeah. So it was kind of cool the way that that worked out. Yep. And I know that you were, so I want to go ahead and give you a chance to tell a little bit about your story for those that aren't familiar with you um, that are listening and um, very humbled and proud of the fact that our little podcast, even though we haven't been pushing it a lot lately, um, but we hope to have it be a more regular thing is actually global. We have people that are listening around the world. Um, and I, I'm thinking my guess is Josh, that that's active duty servicemen that are abroad. Um, yeah. Cause uh, Chris showed us a map once and it was all like Germany, Italy and England. So 
Yeah. I'm and, guessing, yeah. And the thing about, you know, what's so great, we talk about a lot of different stuff on here, but we literally have people who are thinking about going into military, people who are actively in the military, and people who have left as well as, you know, we've got Brandy here, which is really important, um, because there's this this other role within the military household, right? The person that really, as far as I'm concerned, holds the whole thing together. <laughs> <laughs> and drives it forward both before, during, I'm, I'm and after, you know? <laughs> so, um, so really the foundation isn't just about the veterans, but it's about that whole y- unit and, and what we can do to support everyone and, and help things progress in a positive, you know, progressive way forward. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, so Matt, you were in the Marine Corps. Yep. yep. 22 years, uh, did 22 years in the Marine Corps. Uh, retired as a master gunnery sergeant, and uh, ultimately, as I was um, transitioning out, that typically, as far as a retirement piece goes, is it's every bit of a year and a half uh, long process. So, um, I actually noticed my brother had posted a couple things on Facebook, um, and that became a pretty repetitive thing. So, I got a hold of him. He shot me your guys's uh, website, and then we exchanged some correspondence in that aspect. And I mean, ultimately, I just wanted to help. I, I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to know how I could help uh, specifically because I was going to be around other veterans. And I knew that, um, you know, my transition out of active duty Marine Corps to what's considered civilian life. I, I didn't know what that looked like. And frankly, it kind of scared the hell out of me. So, um, you know, I, I went to a couple events and you know, the next thing you know, I found out I got nominated. <laughs> yeah. And, and backstory on that. And this is a great thing about this podcast is it lets us share a little bit more about what goes behind the scenes. Cause a lot of people always ask the process, but they kind of want to understand it too. Like, how do you go about do this and doing this? And the one thing we tell everybody is, you know, it's an, a nonprofit profit first and foremost, right? So we have our mission and all of our funding supports that. And it, it is difficult and everybody's always looking you know, to raise money for their organization, right? That That is a challenge, um, a challenge that we face every day. But even more difficult than finding funding for our projects is finding the veterans because in what we do, it's often the people who aren't looking to receive, but they want to be part of it in some way, but they don't necessarily want to be given anything, especially nothing free. Um, and those are the veterans that actually we're looking for because those are the ones that are usually, they don't want the spotlight on them. They don't want attention because then what, what's that next step? I got to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to do, you got to deal with it, right? Yeah, deal with it. So it does kind of pull things to the, to the forefront, if you will, like, like the why and I have talked about here, like uh, even just going into the VA, my wife would take me to an appointment. One day she stopped. She's like, you know, you start talking about the military on your way to the VA and you tell me things that you don't ever tell me anything about. And it dawned on me because she's like, you're thinking about why you get to go there. And then you get the bike and you think about why you get the bike. So now you have to talk. But the cool thing about it is when you get the bike, you don't get the bike alone. You get the bike and there's 10, 15, 20 other people just like you all standing there waiting to see your response to scoop you up, right? Whether you're on the stage with people you don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you find yourself in a crowd of people you don't know, or like myself, I already knew people and Rich was standing right there because he knew as soon as the cover got pulled off, he knew to be there, right? There's that connection right there. So even though it's alone and it brings you to the forefront, right? There's other people there for you. Yeah. And, um, Everyone's story is unique. You know, we're going to get into a little bit more of Matt's story, which is very different than Josh's. But then, you know, 
that's, that's the piece that brings everybody together is that bike. So, um, you know, Matt, you'd shared that you'd started looking at our website, this, that, and the other thing, your brother had brought you up. He had started volunteering. He, he was actually, you know, take a step further back. He was actually introduced to us through a work colleague, um, who knew Pat Callender and Pat Callender was getting his bike. And so his work colleague had invited everyone that rode to come to one of our events. And that's how Marty um, found out about foundation 14 and he had supported us on and off throughout the years. And every now and then he would mention whenever we would put a note out there to say, Hey, we're, we're looking for our next recipient. We're looking for veterans who might benefit from riding. And at the time that you were transitioning out, Marty had mentioned a couple of times. Oh, you know, what about my brother? What about my brother? And, and here's the thing, you know, it's not about the people that we know that need a, a bike, but in the veteran community, everyone is so networked and it's so tight knit that oftentimes, you know, you're, you're not going to find out about that, that next recipient by posting an ad, but it's by talking to veterans and knowing who they know, who they know that it's facing struggles, who they know that's facing an upcoming challenge or currently going through a challenge. So it had probably been a couple months and I remember having a conversation with him one night and he brought it up again. And I was like, well, when are you going to res- submit his information? You can't look at him until you submit his information. <laughs> and, um, and I remember reading through your story and we now have not only, you know, 25 recipients of our programs, but we also have a lot of veterans who serve on our, our committees, on our, our board, on um, just our writers group. And so what we'll do is once we, we get someone who, um, who thinks things start to click and it looks like, okay, writing might be a good recourse for them. We flip it over to our veterans then to like vet this out as a veteran and, and tell me what you see here. So we actually had, um, Nick queen call you. Yep. Yep. And a fellow Marine. Yes. And he listened to everything you had to say. And, and we, it's a series of interviews and it's a series of uh, people who are looking at things from all different perspectives, but then we all come back together and, and talk about what, what were those things that we heard? What made sense? Does this make sense for writing? Does this make sense for just from a people perspective? But that veteran perspective is very important to us because as a non-veteran, I need to know what are those things that you heard that might have been, you know, not as obvious to my ear, but were clues or triggers to something that might be coming. And it's a difficult conversation for us to have um, because we know how we're, we're talking about people's lives there. Yeah, nobody wants to have that conversation, but ultimately, um, with me, and I would imagine with most veterans, uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna actually open up and tell your story. Uh, ultimately it's probably going to be another person who potentially has went through the same experiences you have. So, uh, and that's exactly what that was. That, that conversation with Nick is, is kind of what started all of that. Mm-hmm. It was, um, okay, we, we probably were, which coincidentally we were actually all in the same places, not the same times, but, um, that in itself paints its own picture on what that place typically looked like. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of started the whole conversation and, it, it became very easy to talk at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So share a little bit then about your, you know, what military service was for you. What, what did you do? And in those, I mean, 22 years is a long time. Yeah. Uh, well, ultimately I got to thank my wife for putting up with it for that long. Cause, uh, I mean, 
I had nine nine deployments on the books, twelve total. Uh, you can add six months per deployment just as as a workup process. But uh, I, I deployed in uh, two thousand three to Iraq and the initial invasion as a radio operator. Returned from from Iraq then, and it was about time for me to make my decision on whether or not I was going to reenlist. And decided I didn't want to continue to pursue the communications field, and that moved into explosive ordnance disposal. Uh, had some struggles in school with there with some injuries and this and that. Um, that kind of sidelined me for a little bit and made me, uh, uh, well, basically I, I didn't create that great of a picture, um, amongst my peers, which meant unfortunately for my wife that I hopped on every deployment that I could to kind of regain a little bit of that, um, reputation. So I ended up uh, graduating EOD school and then a deployment happened in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, got recalled for deployment in 2010. Uh, three of those were, were at were Iraq. Um, then I did a Marine Expeditionary Unit where I was with the Direct Action Platoon doing counter-piracy missions uh, in and around uh, Somalia area. And then I come back and I'm supposed to kind of get a break and that lasted about four months. And then it was... Hey, we need you to train a section to go to Afghanistan. Sure, no problem. At this point, I know more of foreign countries than I do of the United States. So uh, why change it up now? Mm-hmm. So uh, I go to Afghanistan in 2011 and uh, become a section leader. And ultimately, some calls were getting thrown to teams, some of my teams that were in my area. That in itself is kind of. Uh, dangerous because it's it's going to every area of operations got different um, tactical techniques and procedures. So uh, I had as tactful of a conversation with the operations officer as possible. Ultimately, that led to a uh, doing doing flyaway missions rather than going and looking for IEDs and rendering those ones safe. Uh, let's just go out and kill the people that are building them. Uh, in the process of that, uh, got shot by a sniper. Um, so that ended that uh, deployment and uh, come back. I got two weeks left on Camp Lejeune and then I transitioned up to Virginia Beach where I was training, uh, training probably 13 different security cooperation teams to go train abroad and train foreign forces. That that sent me to Colombia, that sent me to Burundi, that in and around Africa a bunch um had a big part of training and setting up a counter IED cadre for the Republic of Georgia so that they could take over for us in Afghanistan. So uh once that was done, that took me to about 15 years in. Got orders back to Camp Pendleton, California, and uh, I was only there a week and apparently I I deserved to go on another deployment. So uh I trained two platoons for that, uh, and then we took the best out of out of both platoons to go do flyaway missions into uh, into Syria. And when that deployment was done, I, I I got back, went through Marsoc selection, and basically waited for my number, and that didn't happen. So I hopped on another deployment for the Eleventh uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit, and uh, that took me all the way up till. What probably December of 2019, 
think it was November. November? November. And then uh, coming off of that deployment, I, I had – I had heard that I was uh, going to be selected for master gunnery sergeant. So that ultimately meant that I was, I was definitely one going to be required to do at least two more years. But on top of that, I, I was not going to do it at camp Pendleton. Um, Cause that, that promotion is a promote to vacancy. Those vacancies were at Marsoc and uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So I ended up going back to Marsoc uh, for the last two and a half years, at, at which point, uh, yeah, sat down with the wife, had a conversation, and said, are, "Are we done here, or is it, or, or do we keep going?" So, um, ultimately, <laughs> he signed the paper. It was uh, it was my signature on the. I took the picture though. Yeah, <laughs> I was it, it, was, it was my signature, but I'm. I mean, if if it were a recorded event, I'm almost certain that she was signing it with my hand. <laughs> she was just as much ready as I was to to be done. It was it was you know they they always say that when it's time to uh, retire, you're going to wake up one day and just be like, nope. I'm done with this. That's pretty much what happened. I carried the thought process for 22 years. Like, no, not me. I'm a life rod. Right. It could have been further from truth. It happened exactly that way. I woke up one day and said, I'm done. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me like, are you serious? I'm like, no. I was like, hurry up and sign it before we <laughs> <I, laughs> change your mind. I don't want you changing your mind. <laughs> I was so, laughing yeah, the whole time you were talking about your deployments. I wanted to kind of chime in and say, Every time I found out a deployment, don't worry, he took me out to a really nice lunch to tell me. Yeah, that's usually pretty good. <laughs> in a public place? In a oh, public, yeah. public place. Every okay. time he's like, you want to go have lunch? And I'm like, oh, no, well, here we go right. again every single time. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that, that keeps it cordial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smart man. So, and they say you guys just eat crayons. <laughs> I mean, they didn't right, have any crayons on the not, menu. Like, <laughs> Stereotypes need to be kept alive for you, okay? <laughs> so, but it's kind of crazy, right? So we're sitting here, and I, I wasn't looking at the the clock for this reason, but I think it took like a good portion, if not a little more than five minutes, just to run through a bulleted list of basically your resume. And we all know when it comes to deployment, it's a little bit more than that, right? They didn't just you didn't just leave and then come back. Ah, uh, no, right? And and I'm sitting there as you're t- telling us. Um, kind of like, like I said, just the, the resume, you know, Brandy's sitting there like responding to it just as much. Yep. That was there. That, that was then this is where we went. And you know, just as much as those dates and, and all of that, because there was things you were dealing with. Oh yeah. I mean, I know during 08, well, no, 09 deployment, our daughter was born and he left what, two weeks two later? Two and a half weeks later, yeah. Two weeks later. So I had a newborn and, you know, all by myself. Well, my mom stayed with me for a month and helped me because my family was super supportive. So, um, but I'll never forget the day that he got shot, the phone call, you know, where I was at, you know, who I was with. And it was the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. She 4 a.m. I'm not yeah, a morning person. So. <laughs> I'm aware of the time difference. <laughs> But, you know, those deployments, us wives have those memory stamps as well, like certain things that have happened and all those, like, you know, certain things that have happened and it sits with you. And you remember those days. You remember that finding out that he was getting recalled to Haiti after being home for what? Uh, 38 days. Yeah. It was like, yeah. are you serious? Like, well, thank you for being home for Christmas, but bye. You know, and our daughter's only, what, 15 months at the time? Yeah, by the time I actually got back from oh, no, Haiti, nine months at the time. I 
I was actually, I was around more Haitian kids. I had more time around Haitian kids than I, than I did my own daughter. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a photo of you holding a Haitian orphan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, uh, yeah. So that story we had, um, if, if you're not familiar in, uh, January, 2010, Haiti suffered a, a pretty massive earthquake. It killed hundreds of thousands of people. And with the deployment that was coming off of, we were still considered the contingency for that. So we got reactivated to go out there and provide any type of assistance that we could. Um, with the job that I was doing as explosive ordnance disposal, we weren't exactly doing a whole lot of ordnance or, or clearing landslides or, or any of that stuff. So we kind of set up a provisional MP platoon and, uh, and basically assisted with, with the uh, section of military police that we had and started doing distribution sites. Uh, if somebody needed urgent care or something like that, we, we had some fairly extensive uh, training and trauma and stuff like that. So we would get dispatched on that kind of stuff. This specific uh, incident you're talking about, yeah, we, we, got, we got dispatched to go out and pick up a set of twins um, who had some, some medical issues with their hearts and had no means of getting to the, uh, the hospitals that were set up by the uh, 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 Red Cross. And uh, so we, we transported them uh, via Humvee mm-hmm. there. Uh, that specific picture, that, that didn't work in our favor. We did get them to the hospital, but ultimately that, that child ended up passing away. But uh, it, I guess it would have happened a lot sooner had we, had we not been there. So um, I was fortunate enough to be there. I was humbled to be there. Uh, obviously, I would have rather been home with, with my own kid, but mm-hmm. that's kind of part of being in the military. Right. And the toll that it takes on you both back home as well. You know, a lot of times the focus is on our veterans and what they're going through when they deploy. But you mentioned mil- the military wives. Yeah. Um, you know, I was fortunate. You know, we had one kid and I kept myself busy. That was the one thing that I always said I would do. I was not going to sit at home. I decided that, you know, I stayed, I did stay home with my daughter for a couple of years, but I, I put myself through college. Well, we put myself through college. I got a job. I had a career. You know, I worked the whole time he was gone and I was very thankful to have a village to help me raise my daughter. Some of the most amazing military friends to help us. And if I, you know, if I need her picked up, they would, you know, go pick her up for me. And we had an amazing daycare on base. So she went to daycare, but yeah, it's struggling. It's hard. It's emotional. It's mentally taxing, but keeping yourself busy was the best thing I ever did. I would travel with my daughter. We'd go places, do things, you know, have family, go see family, have family visit us. So I always kept her busy, always. And that, and that's the thing that really started to, um, when, when we talked about, you know, the foundation and how do we do this and why do we do it? And when people ask us, like, there's so many different layers to it and, you know, we haven't served, but we have family members that have. And so even back home, you have people that, that are aware of these deployments and they're not living that life and they're not, there holding things together. But even the extended family sometimes is in a position of, there's nothing I can do or you feel like there's really nothing that you can do. So you, you try to create those moments or, or just be there when you can and extend that support. So when you're faced with 
separating from the military, you then know as a family, as, you know, husband and wife, that you're about to go through another huge change. And while part of you might be thinking, oh, this is great, you know, sign the paper before, you know, before you change your mind. At the same time, you know, like, what is it that we don't yet know that we're about to face? But you've already, you have already faced so much together. And I know that it seemed like a, an easy decision. There's a lot of people that are probably listening to this podcast that, yeah, that's a big decision, but yeah, leave, separate, go back to civilian life. But it's not that easy. It's not easy at all. And to be honest with you, I think just recently we figured it out. I mean, we hit a huge road bump and it took us sitting down together and like finally saying, we missed this. We both missed this. Our daughter misses the military. You obviously miss the military, but I miss it. And it was, I'm getting emotional. It was a struggle. It was a long year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Uh, I, you know, from, from the relationships you have with, with people who are similar, if not identical to you, uh, you know, and they, and they transition out as well. We, we've got a couple of friends that <laughs> I, I think she saw, um, probably, I would say it's, it was probably 10 days before my official retirement date. And I, we, I'd only been home for uh, what, three weeks. Yeah. I'm already losing my mind. Um, I got projects galore to do, but I just no drive to do them. And ultimately, uh, we had some friends in New York get a hold of, uh, my wife and, and say, Hey, she, she retired in February. I retired in June and then her husband retired in July. And I, this is a, this is a, a family that we were on in North Carolina together, then California together, and then back in North Carolina together. I mean, to the point where they lived across the street from us. Our daughters were the same age. They played together. I mean, they were our ride and die. They, our COVID family. Yep. You know, we went mm-hmm. through everything with them. And uh, I, she saw the struggle, and then you know Travis's wife Sarah saw the struggle, and then coincidentally she got a hold of uh, Brandy. And was like, any chance I can borrow Matt? Like With, take him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get him out of here. Get him yep. doing yeah. something. Yeah, that's he exactly did. what he, it was. he was supposed to go for a week, and it ended up turning into what almost three weeks. Uh, yeah. And it, yeah. but he came back rejuvenated, happy. It was what he needed. It was the best thing that we did. So, well, and I mean, and I still, with it still being fresh, um, I, you know, I still got support systems. You guys are obviously a huge support system, but even that, we, we, I, we still have, um, friends in the military that's, they're still active duty and you still get the phone calls. We're like, Hey man, I, it's, it's been six months. I haven't even heard from you or what are you guys up to? Mm-hmm. So, and I, I do come from a community that is, it's very tight knit. Um, but I, I'll be, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, uh, you know, that, yeah, the struggle absolutely was there. And I mean, I came from not only the EOD community, but the Marsaw community and well, they just gave me a binder. It was like, here's all the timelines that you got to meet. You stick with those timelines. This, this will be a breeze. Yeah. I mean, getting the things done was that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the timeline, but I don't know. I, I think I went through that portion of the, like horse blinders on, you know, just mm-hmm. like, nope, this is what I got to get done. And, and then everything's going to be right. Mm-hmm. No, Not it's, accurate. It's the, the loneliest thing I've ever did in my life was walk away. And, and no fault to anybody that I served with. But like, it's kind of hard when you leave. I was in Tradoc at the time. So all my buddies went to like brag and deployable units like your buddies were at. You can't call your friend that just got out when you're in Afghanistan trying to watch 55 people. 
So you're kind of there, the person sitting back going like, oh, what do I do? My, I can't talk to my friends. They don't have phones. They don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and of course they move and all that stuff. So it's, it's lonely. It really is. It's a, it's a rough transition out. So for the sake of the individual that just got out or are thinking about, you know, making that decision, what are those things that helped both? I'm going to say, let's go around the room because Josh, you've had your experiences too. And Brandy, like it's important as someone who you left that lifestyle as well. Yeah, I didn't think it would ever affect me. I honestly, I thought finally. But if to be honest with you, um, my daughter and leaning on him and really amazing friends and being able to be around my sister again, who I hadn't been around for almost twenty years, it was, you know, that got me through it, and you know, a good job and keeping busy once again. And but ultimately it was taking Matt and I just to sit down and have that hard discussion and admit it, you know, finally admit that we were upset, you know, and we miss it. So, yeah, I would say um, if because I, I, I'd say definitely keep up the communication with folks that are that are still active duty because just because you know you're hanging your dog tags up don't mean that they are. So you still have people that are active duty. And they may need your support just as much as you need theirs. So, uh, and, and, you know, if you carry on that rela- type of relationship with them, it's not overly hard to say, you know what, this weekend we're going to drive to Camp, Camp Lejeune and, and hang out with the boys mm-hmm. or get the, get the wives together or do a weekend getaway of any sort where you're not on the base. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I mean, if there was a Foundation 14 in every major city, that would be, uh, that would make it pretty easy. Hopefully we get there. <laughs> Not there yet. But one thing is, it's like, um, you know, I know we've gotten to know each other. And just the other day we were talking and you guys pretty much have like an open door policy. Like, come on by. And that's one thing we talk about. And it's not just veteran. I think it's a, a, a human thing, right? We don't want to inconvenience people. And so when we're going through hard times, there, there's, other, there's, I think, certain types of people that like to be around others. But then there's certain types of people that don't really want to take their stuff their baggage to yeah. others. Right. So we don't give up, make that phone call. Like, Hey, I'm struggling. I just need to see, see you in so many words. Right. But we were, we were talking the other night and you're like, Hey, yeah, we got an extra bedroom. And, and I was like, yeah, it usually ends up being the couch. Right. Cause we just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, that's what's important though, is that we do reach out to each other and be there for one another. Cause we're all going through stuff. Yeah. And you've had some time under your belt now, Josh, and you given, you know, the things that you see and do every day, experience it on another level with yeah, the people that you uh, talk to. It's uh, even just this week, you know, it's, uh, I just started up at the VA part-time internal outpatient mental health. So I'm actually moved out of research. And of course this guy comes in and he sits down and he just starts dumping and he starts obviously apologizing. I'm like, no, you're good, dude. You say whatever you want. And he's like, well, you know, I this and that. And I'm like, dude, I literally sat in this office. I think it was this one or the one next door in 2015 and cussed out a therapist in the entire world at the top of my lungs for about 30 minutes. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> the walls don't speak, dude. Just friggin' let it out. And he just got out and he's got, you know, the, you know this individual, he's a veteran, just like everybody, right? We, we come in a lot of times we come in single, but you know, the even the military will say this, right? we recruit service members and we retain families and that makes getting out just really 
different now because your kids are leaving schools, your spouses are leaving their communities, they're leaving their network groups, and it's it's a permanent PCS change or permanent change of station, right? When you ETS, you go and you stay there. That's the weird thing. This is the longest I've ever lived in one spot. And I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, I got to move, man. <laughs> I was just thinking about that because our daughter, she's so used to moving every three years. She's been, she's lived in so many different states, been to so many different mm-hmm. schools. And usually about every three years, she's like, okay, where are we going to now? So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, we're approaching two years and another year she's going to be like, where are we going next? Because right. she's, you know, just same as us. Like we're always constantly moving every three years. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of things to take in consideration and, I think for those that get successful, it's what you guys were talking about. That piece of communication is huge. If you shut down, if you get quiet, I don't care if you talk to your spouse, talk to your kids, talk to your friends, talk to a therapist. Hey, scream at a wall. Just communicate to somebody something what's going on. But when I see couples talking together, when I hear about how they supported each other and they not just was one-sided, but rather had the awareness to go, well, this was a transition for you too. How are you doing? Now it's you two in the battle together, right? You are in the fight together. And I think that, I don't know, like it sounds kind of like, like a cheesy way to say it, but I think communication is such a huge piece of the human life and experience that it's very significant to that transition period out. It doesn't talk to somebody. You're eventually going to have to talk to your spouse. I went and talked to somebody else for about three years, and you could only imagine what me working on me did to my marriage, right? And we, did, we were fine, but, like, we weren't talking. And then we did couples therapy for a little bit. And you know what the guy made us do? Yeah, he made us sit down every day and talk for 15 minutes. And halfway, like halfway through, we're like, I think we're good. <laughs> so, because, like, we'd, we'd stopped talking. And it wasn't that we had intentionally done it to little kids. I'm doing my own thing. I'm in school. She's working nights, you know, building her own new career and all that stuff. So just communication is, is the big thing. And then like Anthony will tell you, man, just find your purpose, dude. And I think that's another one, right? You know, when I hear about people like Matt, you were talking about sitting on the couch and like, you know, what am I going to do? Right. You got to find something. You got to repurpose some things. And that was, you know, one of our concerns, like whenever we talk to our, our veterans and our recipients um, and want to understand their story because we're, we're trying to figure out what's that next step, what, wh- where are they at and how can we support them and where is it going? And Brandy and I, was, I remember talking to you on the phone, trying to get a sense of kind of where were you at and where was he? Because everyone see, that I talked to that knew you guys or was in your life was, oh, Matt's going to be good. Oh yeah, he's looking for it. And I'm thinking, 22 is in the Marine Corps. I don't think so, but okay, let's just keep yeah, going with this, yeah. right? My, my last job was Taco Bell prior to that. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a couple things to work on. Yeah, I was, I was Tim Hortons. So, yeah. and, and one of the things that came up is just the, the move process. We just started talking about moving back and you guys had moved to Indiana and uh, May had made that decision. And just what was that move process Um like and how was that going because at the time there was a lot that you guys were going through right we but- were building a house and it wasn't going to be ready by the time we got home so all our stuff is somewhere in indiana our house is not done we're borderline i wouldn't say homeless because we were not homeless but we did not have a home we ended up renting a one-bedroom cabin one-bedroom one-bath cabin and we had, a week later, we had to move into a two-bedroom, one-bathroom cabin with no AC. And so we were already starting the big transition. 
but it wasn't going our way. And it was extremely emotional and frustrating. And it was, you know, all that added on top of the fact that our lives literally had just changed. Mm -hmm. So. And in order to make the move process, because I think being in the military, you're you're just being organized, you know, steps, processes. What do we got to do? What do we have to, right? So there was this whole like checklist, you know, back when, but one of the things that you had done was you started purging and getting rid of things. Oh yeah. 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 We definitely noticed over the last uh, two or three duty stations where we picked up just items for whatever house we lived at. Where I was like, oh yeah, yeah, we need this for, for, for that corner. Mm-hmm. And then of course you get to your next place and uh, there is no spot for it, but you know what? That's a good piece of furniture. We're just going to go ahead and keep it. I don't know why we're going to keep it in the garage, but that's where we're going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ultimately three duty stations and probably nine to 12 years worth of accumulation. Uh, I would say we both had our struggles with getting rid of stuff. Um, and you got rid of a lot of stuff, but there was one thing you got rid of that was an outlet for you. Oh yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Uh, so I had a 06 police edition road King. Um, I tore that thing down and I built it right back up and made it mine. Uh, and then, uh, I also had a 08 street Bob. Um, and that was kind of pretty much already done when I bought it. But, uh, I was kind of fearful that when you, uh, when you move the military, um, they pack your stuff up for you, uh, unless you elect to, uh, you know, trailer it there. Well, I, I did not want to do that across country. Um, so I elected to sell them, uh, so that I didn't see something that was scratched and dented up when it got to the next duty station. So there was, uh, there was a few years where I didn't, didn't exactly have a bike to ride. (laughs) And that was one of the things that came up in our conversation was that he had given these up and you guys had made the choice because you sacrificed a lot for 22 years. And now, and as Matt had put it, you know, my wife had done this. And so you wanted to give her back her family and you wanted to move back somewhere that was meaningful to her. Um, But Brandy recognized how he gave up his outlet, one of them, right? Um, We all have a lot of different, I think, outlets that we we have to deal with life on a day-to-day basis. But one of them was writing. And I think everybody, while they're saying, Matt's good, Matt's going to be good. We're all going to be good. It was kind of like, there's this thing off in the distant timeline that was going to start creeping up right rather quickly. And I think that's ultimately why you were brought to our attention was that, you know, Indiana don't have roots there yet. You know, Brandy's got her family there and you guys have, have those roots. But as far as friends that extended family to reach out to, that's always been there. That's lived right across the street from you from duty station to duty station, you know, that that wasn't going to be there anymore. So what, what was Matt going to do and how was this going to impact you? So a lot of people ask about the process in selecting veterans. The process is kind of fluid, but I think what stays the same is the purpose, right? Finding those individuals that are are going to be needing support and needing a purpose and needing an outlet and needing something where writing makes sense. So that's how we came across you. And now you've had your motorcycle for almost a year now. Yeah, actually, I think uh, I think about 20 days shy of a year. I think it was August 25th of last year, I believe, was when, it went, yeah. when we were at uh, yeah. the fair. Yep, Jackson County Fair is this coming, yep. coming Friday, actually. So, But, yeah, different date. So so how's that gone? Oh, it's good. It's good. I actually uh, I had to take a break for a couple of weeks because I had elbow surgery. But um, I did just ride it from uh, 
from Cement City back to the house. Uh, I may or may not have taken some uh, some detours, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did make it back, and uh, and she's she's shiny and bright as is normal. So, and that's one thing. Like we had a demo day earlier this year, and um, Brainy and Danny came out, and that's the part that I love, and that that I just kind of take a step back and absorb is when I see the families there and getting you know if it's a rally, if it's a but if it's a ride, if it's just an event, a bike presentation, whatever. And this was just a dealership demo day, but there were a couple of different things to do. And just to see everyone there together and, you know, it, it in a very natural, organic way. And it, it's just, you know, when I see people smiling that I know have been struggling, that that gives me my purpose and gives me my drive to, to keep doing this and moving it forward. Um, but the funny thing is, <clears throat> a year before uh, we met the Thorpes, um, we were approached by Mike and Lois McAllister out of Angola, Indiana, who uh, had been doing a, a, a poker run for, for several years with all the funds going into those, I believe it's four counties in Northeast Indiana to help veterans. Um, and, and Mike had recently retired and they were looking at being able to enjoy retirement, but this ride, which is called the Bikers and Giving BIG Poker Run, um, it's in September of every year around Labor Day, and it had become so meaningful to them they didn't want it to just stop or end. So they had started putting the word out there that they wanted someone that was going to be able to step in, take it over, and and keep it going and keep the focus on veterans. So um, I was introduced to them, and again, this is about a, a year before I I met you guys. And everything just kind of came together. And when we started interviewing you and when, you know, the team basically got back to me to saying, yeah, we, we think this dude and this family needs to be part of foundation 14. Then I step, that's when I step back into the process and say, okay, what makes sense here? And when I started digging in, I was like, what do you mean they live in Angola? And <laughs> I was like, okay, this makes sense. You keep the two things separate, not really knowing what form this is going to take, but here we are now another year forward. Um, you have become a bike recipient and you've actually stepped up both you and Brandy have in order to help run the poker run. Uh, last year we shadowed McAllister and this year it's a foundation 14 poker run bikers and giving. Um, but we've talked a lot about the future of Indiana and what that looks like for foundation 14 and what you guys have been doing. And I've just been very impressed because we have a lot of people that become part of the foundation that want to be part of it. And it's a volunteer organization. So people, people do what they can when they can. And that's all you can really ask of anybody, but you guys are helping, you know, this is one year out of the gate and you're helping put on a pretty big poker run. Oh, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but it's, um, it's a very unique area because it's absolutely beautiful out there. It's kind of like you're in a city one second and then you're out in country roads. And Josh, we did that ride last year with them. Yeah. And you don't have to go through Ohio to get there, which is super nice. For <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you kind of changed it. You pitched the idea of going and making it a Legion run. Yeah. So, uh, and nothing against the, the previous establishments cause we were going to American legions, but I thought based off of, one, what what the underlying statement um, and what we were trying to accomplish, vice, uh, I felt like it just needed to be tweaked a little bit. So ultimately, uh, pitch the idea to make it to where every stop is an American Legion in and around the four, four county area. 
and uh, we've we've got we've got the five stops, um, and ultimately uh, now we are set up for September second. Uh, we'll be registration starts at ten, kickstands go up at eleven thirty, last bike comes in at uh, at four, and uh, ultimately you're, you'll it'll probably be every bit of a hundred maybe a hundred and fifteen mile ride collectively. So. Uh, I think last year we had what two hundred and twenty-five bikes, and mm-hmm. and that uh, was with a rain delay. That, and so. that was yeah, that was with the rain delays and or the cancellations and all that stuff. And then uh, and then this year, obviously, we, we picked it right back up as riding season started. We were hitting bike nights and and starting to pitch the these dates and getting the uh, the information out to uh, local businesses. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we're bigger than two twenty-five this year. Yeah, we've got. What music, food, mm-hmm. raffle prizes, or uh, yeah, raffles, silent auctions, door prizes. Some pretty and, big and sponsors came out. Yeah, returning this year is one of our main sponsors is uh, Harley Davidson. They're out for Op Twelve, right? Right. So that's a great group of people who, um, being that far west, we really hadn't had an opportunity to work with them yet. And through the BIG Poker Run and us launching in Indiana, we've gotten to know them. And it's a small shop, but some good people there and they wanted to continue to be part of it. So we, we are really happy to have them um, be on board with it and continue to be a part of it and really excited to see what might come out of that. So, yeah, and to be honest, uh, we're not originally from Angola. So for us to go to um, local businesses and stuff like that, knowing that we're not um, originally organic to Angola, um, that allowed us one to get out there and, and, and talk about what, what the mission is and what we are trying to accomplish. But then on top of that, letting them know that hey, we are now, Angola residents, uh, so it's a little bit easier than now just getting a hold of somebody saying, "Hey, you, this is me. Hey, can I have some money? I want to. I want to do this." <laughs> right. So, and we met some really amazing people, not, like uh, going out in oh, talking absolutely. about it, just and, just talking so about it. it we met it's some friends us into a lot of a lot of other um, riding clubs and and um, and motorcycle clubs and bike nights and and the thing that I like best about that area is, I mean, the riding is great. You, get to nothing's quick you got to weave in and around all the lakes but um every riding group motorcycle club riding club they are all whether they're a one percent lem uh le or or any of that they're everybody attends the same same bike nights that being said everybody wants to support everybody so as we as we continue to try to grow this thing, I think that, um, you know, as we start attending bike nights and then, and then of course, they'll start attending our stuff. This thing can actually get huge. Right. Well, and there's, um, you know, every area, um, is unique and has its own unique characteristics to it. So we've tried to spend the time getting to know Indiana and, um, at the same time while getting to know you guys and you guys just jumped right on board with this and said, we got it. And so, for me, it has been amazing just to see the networking that you guys have done, the information that you've gotten out there and just the support that you guys have gathered. Um, the community, I would say from my perspective, and this is just my opinion, is they are so pro-veteran and want to do everything they can in any way that they can. So sometimes as a community, we're just looking for someone to put some structure out there and just say, give, give an opportunity 
And so I'm really excited to see this run this year and the changes that um, you recommended, which the foundations instituted, where we've moved it to from Sunday to Saturday. Some of the feedback we had on the ride from participants last year is they really wanted to see it on a Saturday because it was kind of hard to participate on Sundays. Um, but also just the, like you said, the lakes that we have to, that we have the ability to ride around is just makes for a beautiful run. The businesses that all want to be part of it in some way and just the people there's, and, and that's one thing that's not unique to Indiana, right? It's the biker community. It's, there's nothing, I always look forward to when we have an event where it's a, a, a ride that we're going to participate or a run that we're going on because it's just great people and it just feels good to be around freaking great people. No, absolutely. Uh, with, with, you know, all the sponsorships and the folks that are in and around that area and, and the, the people that uh, we attract to these events, uh, not everybody's even on two wheels. You got three wheels. You've got last year, we had a Jeep, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, so it's op- open to anybody. So if you're in, if you're listening to this and you're in the area, September 2nd, the BIG poker run, you'll be able to come to that and hang out with us and you know, we really want to get to know you and if you want to be part of the foundation. Um, but we've talked about a lot and I think we're going to go a little bit longer. I'm not trying to necessarily wrap up right now, but one message I don't want to, to lose um, is some of the insights that we've talked about today is that we're, we are always looking for those veterans that either are looking for a place, looking for a purpose. Um, they're looking to be part of something, whether they ride or they don't. We've got veterans that volunteer with us. We've got um, you know, just family members that want to be part of something. You don't have to be a veteran to be part of Foundation 14. Um, this is where you start. This is how we meet you. This is how we hear about you. You know, come to the event. Let us know that you're there. Grab one of us. Come talk to us. Then, you know, send us a message. Let us know that you're interested. But also let us know if you've got a veteran in mind. Maybe they need their bike modified. Maybe they, you know, have a bike that they just can't get back on the road because Financially, they're just not able to do that, but they've been riding for years and something's happened and, and they just need that little bit of assistance. Um, or, or maybe it's someone that, that already rides that just needs to be part of it. Those, those are the people that we're looking for. And those, our programs are built around their needs and, um, and, and creating an environment that you know, we hope that they'll become part of. It's, a, it's another community in a way. And one thing when you guys were talking about, like how you were feeling that loss of the Marine family, right? That close knit, I love post too. It's super nice. We had a whole quad at my last duty station and we just had four houses in a little section on the hill. And Melina just brought a roadblock one day and just dropped it. And he's like, now the kids can play. We lit a fire in the center. And that was every weekend for three years of my life. You know, anytime we were off. Commence the shenanigans, right? <laughs> that was like us it, it, too. It, it was nice, right? Because you had thing. every parent there you knew Anybody cried. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be on spot. And half the guys had med packs in their house. No, we're not, not going to talk about where they got them from, but there was medical equipment more than you'd see on an ambulance. But what I hear, like, you guys are talking around and driving around. I'm seeing smiles come from Like, hey, we're meeting people. There's a community here. And that's, I think, a beautiful thing about the foundation, but about bikes in general. doesn't matter if you're LE, 1% or what have not. There's common ground there. There's a point to start a conversation here. And guess what? You slowly start finding back that tight knit. Because let's face it, you don't. You're not going to get in a group of riders if you don't trust them, and you don't want to deploy with people you don't trust. And so there's some similarities in these communities that I think is why veterans have such a draw. So whether you ride or not, come on out because there's still some of that salient 
pieces of the military community that can come out from it. And it both starts and ends at the Angola. Yeah, it, it starts and ends in uh, at Angola American Legion. That's 1760 West Maumee. I had to look that up. That's um, yeah. <laughs> the other the other stops is uh, our uh, Orland American Legion, Garrett American Legion, Rome City, uh, and Lagrange. So like I said, you'll get you'll get probably every bit of a hundred to hundred and twenty miles out of out of it, uh, depending on any, any pit stops. So if you're a rider or not, or just just want to join us on our poker run, whether you're in a, a vehicle or on a motorcycle, starts and ends at the Angola American Legion. But also if you want to just hang out with us, if you start out with us in the morning, you can hang out and I'll be glad to put you to work. That's one thing I'm good at. <laughs> and get ready for the the riders to come back. But but that's a, a stepping stone for the foundation in Indiana. And we're excited about that because as Matt and Brandy have been networking and putting the word out there, we were approached by a couple of veterans who we are now looking at as our first recipient in Indiana that we'll hopefully be announcing at some point soon. Um, not going to make any commitments or even say it'll be this year, but we are starting now to get applications and we've started talking to people. So I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. How has that been as recipients? Now you are looking, and this isn't, I actually pulled you into a couple other recipient selection processes just to kind of get your feet wet. But now this is the first time you guys are kind of taking the lead in Indiana to look at who might be our first recipient. What's that been like? Oh, to be honest, it's great. You know, again, you, you get to converse with uh, someone who potentially is a shut-in um, that doesn't want really to tell their story. And, you know, for me, I get kind of closure with that type of stuff. So I enjoy doing it. Uh, and if I can get that person to to actually open up, a lot of times it starts off with, hey, you, this is me, and this is my story. Can you – you obviously got turned on to me, so can you, can, can you talk about your story a little bit? And once they realize – a little piece of my story, then they're, they open up pretty easily. Uh, you, you tend to hear what you need to hear. And, 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 and hopefully through that process and, and conversation, they get a little bit of closure, which ultimately is, is the end state goal for, for me on my end. So uh, I'm happy to do it. It, it brings closure to my situations and, and, and hopefully it, it does to theirs as well. And for Brandy too, cause you're a- every bit a part of this process as well. And there's a counterpart on their end to, to the role that you have and your experiences too. That is true. Like I said, you know, talking to other military spouses, it, I like to hear their story and I like them to know that they're not alone, that, you know, there are other wives out there that support their husbands and, you know, supported them throughout the military. But it's like you said, it, you can talk to other, you know, like the active duty military and you can have conversations with them, but spouse to spouse, it just relates more, you know. You're going to learn more talking mm-hmm. spouse to spouse too, because I can sit there and be like, oh, I did this, I did that. And that person will be like, all right, cool. But are you telling me because you're a basic bro vet or are you like <laughs> actually trying to make friends? But spouses, they'll dime each other, like they'll dime their spouses out. Right? <laughs> they'll be like, what did he do? He did that too. Okay. Can you call him? Can you like, how, here's his number. Give this number to Matt, Josh, whoever, and then call him Thursday. He's off work and get him out of my house for five hours. Just get him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they do that. Cause y'all, y'all know, and y'all as much as you all, I don't know how you want to say it. Like it's a different non-uniform, however you want to describe it. 
but y'all don't want to lose what you waited 22 years to have to yourself either. And so when you see your veterans slipping, I feel like spouses are the first ones to sit there and notice it. And they're like, no, I'm, I didn't wait to lose him. I didn't wait to lose her. I want him back. So I agree 100%. Like I said, when I saw him, you know, I wouldn't say slipping. I could just see his, his happiness change his face. He mm. just got quiet and I'm like, mm. and Matt's not a quiet person. So, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm going to call my friends and I'm going to see what I can do. You know, mm-hmm. take him for a trip. I, you know, his, he, his motorcycle was being painted there for a while. So he didn't have that. And it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, we got to find something to keep him busy and happy. And I'm pretty sure we went back to New York. I know. That's what I said. We did. <laughs> yeah, she planned yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> I actually went this time though, because I had not yeah. been. But this time I actually went with. We went as a family. So that's amazing. I just I don't know. It this means so much to me. Just being able to see you guys and see you go through this, and you know the way that you guys work together. And I know not everyone has that story mm-hmm. to share. So it's a huge part, I think, of what we can do and how we can help others. And hopefully even in doing this podcast is your story and the struggles that you've been through. One thing that you said when you first stepped up to the mic today is that, you know, don't be afraid. It is scary. You were, you were scared. It's okay to be scared to do something, have major change in your life. But you've got the resources and you probably have someone who's sitting right next to you that's willing to, to take that face on. Yeah, that took me a little bit to notice. (laughs) (laughs) A couple smacks on the back of the head, and I was like, all right, all right, got it. (laughs) Well, and and kind of true to a lot of what we've been talking to, you know, as you transition those relationships, it's the people, those connections that you've had. And you're actually wearing a shirt today. We started talking about this, like, last year, right? About maybe the possibility of doing something. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it's probably been every bit of a year. Um, I, I had kind of brought up the idea that, Hey, what if we could get some unit t-shirts for on uh, like our logo on, on some unit t-shirts for, um, you know, the active, an active duty unit t-shirt. Uh, so of course I, I started reaching into, uh, my, my contact list of all of my friends that are still active duty. And I, I didn't get very far. Uh, I, I bumped into uh, my, my last OIC, uh, his phone number, and I literally just called him and said, hey, man, I, I got an idea. You're probably going to think I'm crazy, but just hear me out. So talk to him about uh, putting our logo on a sleeve of their unit T-shirt. Uh, he said, let me, uh, let me talk it over with the boys, and we'll get back to you. We're not exactly in line to make a unit purchase right now, but um, if you got a little bit of patience, uh, that might be something. Also, I'm going to need a logo, man. <laughs> so we started working that angle and, uh, yeah, this last week, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to Nick Wellborn. Um, he's at Marine Corps base camp Lejeune, North Carolina, easy OIC of the explosive ordnance disposal platoon. So he was gracious enough to put the foundation 14 logo on their unit t-shirt. So, and that is what I'm supporting today. Nick. Thank you so much. We are humbled. And when, you know, we've, we've had a couple of uh, servicemen and women wearing our, our apparel, active duty, and that always blows me away. It's just, I don't even like to use the word humble anymore. It just, it just blows, it floors me 
you know, and uh, we've got parents and we've got just uh, people reaching out and, and ordering our stuff, but to have our logo on a unit shirt, I just, it speaks a lot. It speaks volumes as to the work that we're doing and what it means to people. And, and it, it, on behalf of the foundation, I'm like honored to even see that on a shirt, but we'll go ahead and share it so that you guys can see what it looks like. But um, anyone that's out there that's supporting the foundation, I mean, this is what it means to people. It's pretty amazing. It's a pretty cool shirt too. Yeah. No, I'm bomb squad. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got, Josh? I think just a couple closing reminders, right? Uh, obviously if you have any questions about the podcast, any, honestly, any topics, any questions, uh, as you see, as you, as you listen to us, you can hear us bringing us other people from different walks of life. You know, I have no problem texting Matt and be like, Hey, somebody wants to know more about bomb squad stuff. Can you come back on? Right. And like, so reach out to us, uh, info, info at foundation14.org. Yep. And so. that's the numbers one four. So foundation14.org. So send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook as well. Lots of different events coming up. You'll see the flyer for the BIG run in uh, Indiana going up there as well. Um, plus some other stuff, little other events happening between now and then. So if you're looking for something to do on weeknights, we got bike nights going on through the end of August. We got the poker run coming up. So go ahead and give us a follow. Yep. And you'll see our information on our website, foundation14.org. It's not foundation14.com. It's foundation14.org. And we're on Facebook mostly, a little bit on Instagram, but it's really, I mean, volunteers. We don't have a whole lot of time. So we do our best to get the information out there, but you can get a hold of us through either of that. There are several of us that administer it, including uh, the BIG page. Um, Matt's on that too, so he can answer any questions there. And thanks to you, Matt and Brandy, both. And it was quite a bit of drive to get up here on I-94. By the way, don't go on I-94. Apparently it's terrible. So, so thank you for coming up here and being in the studio. And you want to run us through your dates and times again one more time? Absolutely. Uh, September 2nd, Registration starts at 10. Kickstands go up at 11.30. Last bike in is at 4 o'clock. There's going to be music, food, drinks, raffles. And a great time. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come on out. Just come check us out. So, And thank you for sharing. It's not easy. And I don't like to push people to share more than uh, they're comfortable with because uh, it's hard. It's still hard to do. So I appreciate everyone that's listening. And if any of this resonated with you, um, we always share links to information as resources, but you can always reach out to us if there's uh, someone you hear on any of our podcasts that you want to talk to. Absolutely. Again, until next time, keep your feet and knees in the breeze and two wheels down, and we'll talk to you all later, and hopefully we'll see you all in Indiana.